Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. Well, for this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Mary. Mary, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, Natalie. Thanks so much. So my name is Mary McCaughey. I teach theology at Oscott College, which is the Seminary for the Archdiocese of Birmingham. This is a wonderful series of talks about women in scripture. So I'm delighted to be able to share something with you all. Well, I'm delighted that you've agreed to come and share. So woman from scripture, have you chosen to speak about? So I've chosen Mary of Beth. Anthony, who's the sister of Martha, and I'm going to focus on two passages, uh, one from Luke's Gospel and one from John's Gospel. So why Mary of Bethany? Why have you chosen that? What's so attractive about her? Yeah, I suppose just two things, really. Well, from the first passage, so from chapter 10, it's what's always drawn me, really, is um, what she represents, what, you know, how sort of the nature of discipleship that she represents that sort of this absolute just abandonment to God really and to to Christ and just the Lord I suppose commends her by choosing the better part Uh, and sort of so to sort of reflect on what that symbolizes for my life and for our lives especially in such a busy world so maybe if I read if I read the text first Mm -hmm. is that okay and then we'll sort of unpack so it's Luke chapter 10, so verses 38 to 42. Uh, so Jesus visits Martha and Mary. So as we know, Martha and Mary were both sisters, uh, sisters of Lazarus, but very good friends with the Lord. And you and I had this conversation earlier. We just said, mm-hmm. you know, that this was, you know, the Lord often just spent time there in their, their home. And often we see it's Martha is the one who serves and Martha is the one who prepares everything. And Mary comes across as if she's just sort of just sitting there being attentive to the Lord but but you do get a real sense of their characters and their personalities and and also their how the Lord really enjoyed being with them um spending time with them eating with them and um, you can just imagine it was a place of rest a place of acceptance just like how we all feel when we spend time with our friends it's a time to be renewed and to find peace so it's lovely to think that the Lord found that peace among his friends. So I'll just read the passage. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to the Lord and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by so many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So I suppose the traditional way of interpreting this text is that sort of Jesus is telling us that the the contemplative life is better than the apostolic life or the life of service, the life of Martha symbolizes. So Mary is traditionally 
seen as symbolising the contemplative and Martha the active life. But, you know, the Lord, it's not that he's saying that, that there's a problem with the active life or this life of service. Obviously, service is a very good thing. And Christ himself embodied that life of service. And we see it in his foot washing, all his teaching, his healing ministry, and ultimately laying down his life um, for us on Calvary. So it's not that the Lord is saying that service is not important. <laughs> so Martha is doing a good thing by serving the Lord, preparing a, a lovely meal for him as you would if your friend is visiting. And we all know how much effort that can take. If you're, you know, preparing a meal when people are visiting, you have to get the house ready, the house clean, you have to prepare all the, you know, the vegetables and cut everything. And, you know, there's, there's a, a lot involved, really. So so that's not the problem in itself, but rather the problem is, I suppose, the Lord is pointing out that Martha is getting worried and distracted by many things. And she's running around here, fretting, getting anxious and all the preparation. And not only that, but she, if you notice in from the text, she she has no problem pointing the finger at Mary, her sister, and saying, now Mary's just sitting there calmly at the feet of the Lord while she's rushing around. And Martha then must be completely shocked when the Lord seems to not take her side, but take Mary's side and says, Mary has chosen the better part. So, so she's saying, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to do all the work by myself. And that's totally understandable. Any one of us would feel like that. So I suppose to look at Mary here in a symbolic way, the fact that she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, she's what's going on here. Well, for the Jews to sit at the feet of the rabbi, is to be a disciple so it's to want to listen to the words the words of wisdom that are coming from the teacher from the rabbi and the word of god and to understand the word of god and learn from it and obviously jesus is the messiah <laughs> and the word incarnate and mary has definitely chosen the better part and she's chosen to listen to the word and i suppose ponder it and spend time listening and and really that is the most important thing we can do as disciples and this is the path of salvation. I think this is what Luke is trying to tell us here. So just to to take the word worry, because um, it's something I can I do a lot of. So I think um, yeah, it's it's a really though it's exactly the opposite of the life of salvation or life in the spirit, and it's quite a serious thing when we worry and fret about many things when we're a disciple. It's a real contradiction actually. So in Greek, the word is merimna. So care, anxiety or worry. And the root of it in Greek means to divide or to separate. So the Greek word merima, merima represents this mental state where we're occupied with something, but we're, we're trying to do two things, but we're being distracted from the most important thing, I suppose. So because our mind is occupied in what's not so important. And really for believers, I suppose our mind should be on Christ. And yet, and you know, as, as children of God, we're supposed to be have our mind on following the spirit. We're supposed to be led by the spirit of God and there shouldn't be fear or anxiety. There's, there should be no need for it. So I suppose I was reflecting on this earlier and um, thinking, you know, the, I love Romans, um, but Romans 8, where it talks about what it is to live as a child of God, that we're set free from the law of sin and death. And yeah, for St. Paul, you know, when we live according to the spirit, we set our minds on the things of the spirit. And he says, this is life and this is peace. 
and the opposite of that is to set our minds on things of the flesh so I suppose what he means here things of the flesh are just worldliness really and all the things we get worried about really would fall into that category so and you know and that path of the flesh really is the path of self-reliance it's the path of sort of where it contrasts with the life of the spirit which is trusting in God trusting in his plan for us as his children rather than the path of self-reliance and I think that's something we can all relate to. I think so often, you know, we 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 know we're children of God. We know we are in our heads <laughs> and we know God loves us and we know God wants to lead us. But, you know, there's just parts of us that are not fully opened and not fully surrendered to let that actually happen. So we take things into our own hands. We worry because we're basically trying to work it out ourselves absolutely I completely agree we we know we talk about trusting in God but we get so concerned with worries and anxiety I think was it St Francis de Sales said the worst thing that can happen to a a man is that he becomes anxious instead of just trusting in God it takes a lot of freedom to be able to do that it absolutely does we can tell when we're a bit when we're off you know when things are like worry is when we start worrying and fretting and getting angry you know it's a real sign that we're we're following the wrong spirits really you know saint ignatius of loyola speaks about the two spirits so the Mm. the holy spirit obviously but then you know he's no problem talking about the evil spirit or the evil one Um, and neither does pope francis but you know in a way this worry and fret and anxiety is not from the good spirit really and so what the holy spirit brings is joy peace kindness goodness gentleness and what the evil spirit brings is the path of desolation and fear and anxiety I think Mary of Bethany really symbolizes the path of the disciple who has surrendered to listen to the word of God and just has that gift of of listening to yeah to God's word and God's will but I remember in college we it's you know there's there's actually very little I remember from my my scriptural exegesis classes but I do remember this passage and how our lecture linked uh, chapter 10 to chapter 11 and if you look at chapter 11 of Luke's gospel it's that passage where it says ask and you shall receive search and you will find knock and the door will be opened unto you and if you remember it says the Lord uses this analogy of a friend asking another friend for bread and and he says you know how much more would the heavenly father give you the gift of the holy spirit if you ask so Jesus is explaining that it's the gift of the holy spirit that that enables us to live as disciples and enables us to live as children so that we don't fear or we don't worry, we don't get anxious. I just thought, you know, I remember thinking, wow, I've never made, I've never seen that connection. And then if you look at chapter 12, it's amazing. Again, it's about worry. It's about worry. So, you know, parallels Matthew 5 on the Sermon Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is explaining how the Father looks after us at all times. So he says, God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the fields. God looks after them. So how much more will he clothe us? And Jesus says, you're not to worry. Oh, you of little faith. Why why are you worrying? And in this passage, he compares this worldly way of striving and worrying. Uh, he compares that to the opposite, which is the way of the children of God who put God and his kingdom first and all else is given to them. And he urges the disciples to build up treasure 
in heaven and, and says where your heart is there your treasure will be so I just think that's such a, a great passage it just reminds us really that the opposite of worry is is when we really have this relationship with God as our father who loves us and cares about us that every single hair on our head is counted so we shouldn't be worried because uh it will all work out but really I think on a day-to-day level I know I need conversion every single day because yeah again it, the Lord says oh you of little faith and so Mary of Bethany again is that model of faith and and trust that's where her treasure is, her heart, you know, her heart is, she's not worried and distracted. Her heart is with God. Well, I go on a bit. <laughs> you can go on, you can go on a bit, yes. Yeah, okay. There was so much, there's so much to learn from Mary of Bethany as she'll yeah. reveal it to us. She's a disciple, really, you know, it's funny because we talk about Mary Magdalene as a disciple, but maybe we've just sort of thought of Mary Bethany, we've, we've sort of just seen her, I think, as this contemporary as as almost passive and maybe we haven't equated that with the life of a disciple but again I think it's it's not that she's passive I think both Luke and John are using her as this example of discipleship that prioritizes God first before we act or as we act that we can sort of get this balance she shows us how to stop and how to be still and how to listen and sometimes you need to stop and listen to God before you rush off and do all the activity or the hosted or the jobs it's it's really important and people I think in our busy world feel guilty for stopping and being still before the Lord because there's so much that needs to be dealt with yeah absolutely and it's not you know it's even it's almost more than that yes definitely to sit and listen but it's almost like why we go about our business that we do it in a in a contemplative way so it's to take that peace and that trust into the busyness as we go but we spoke earlier we were talking about you know difficult situations and how in order to confront difficult situations it definitely helps when we prayed beforehand because prayer really um you know to really spend time in the lord's presence in a very in a just a restful way where we rest in the lord you know we actually just we go beyond words we go beyond formulas and vocal prayers which are all beautiful but we have to spend that time in the lord's presence whether it's in adoration you know eucharistic adoration so helpful to just spend time with the Lord listening to him but also being loved by him and to receive his peace at a deep deep level Um, and I think that's what will sustain us then if we spend enough time as you say you know that will definitely sustain us but it's to bring that into that the busyness will be going on all around us, but that somehow our hearts, our deepest part of ourselves will be rooted in where God dwells deep down in, you know, in that peaceful place. And so, I mean, the secular world talks a lot about mindfulness. Mindfulness is sort of, I suppose, it's like being contemplative in the midst of your busyness. But I suppose we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us and to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit at all times. So every little decision we have to make to step back just to step back and um and surrender you know I had a situation was it last week or the week before where I had to send the emails before a deadline and people had to you know sort of react to the email in time for things to fall into place and I was very stressed but you know I actually sort of had to take 
just step, st- take a step back and go, well, this is actually out of my control now. I've done what I can do, but I have to trust that the Lord will get all the other pieces to fall into place. I can't control this. And, you know, and that was really good because normally I would just, I would completely try to control everything and get everyone to respond. I think sometimes, yeah, I think it's just to build that time more and more into our day where we just stop, as you say, and then, but also step back and, 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 and ask the Holy Spirit what to do. So, yeah. So anyway, we're moving away from Mary Bethany here, but um, but she's the, she's the model. She's the disciple. Oh, I always ask why she would be relevant today. And she, you've, already, you're already revealing what, what she teaches us today, you know, how she teaches us to live in the world today, just by reflecting on who she was and what, how she lived. That's right. It's wonderful. Yeah. And, and just, I suppose then, just to move on to John chapter 12, where she appears again, you know, Jesus goes to Bethany before the Passover and Martha again Martha again is preparing the dinner and waiting on Jesus and uh, but what does Mary do you know Mary brings in this pound of very costly ointment pure nard and anoints the feet of Jesus wiping them with her hair so I, I just think again this is such a lovely symbol of the disciple it's obviously Mary is recognizing the Lord as her Messiah and she's you know and Jesus the Lord says it himself um, the anointing is a preparation for his burial because it's coming up to his Passover where he will he will give his life on the cross but for me and it always has symbolized just that that we are called to give our complete self to the Lord, really. And that it's that image has always meant a lot to me. I don't know. So, yeah, I think uh, to be wholehearted about our lives and uh, to be wholehearted about where God's place is in our lives. And I think, you know, maybe traditionally, again, this might have been seen as an image for the religious, you know, that they give everything. Priests surrender and give their whole lives uh, and religious and you know and Mary is you know Mary is rebuked in this image you know by Judas Judas um, is giving out that the ointment isn't sold for money to give to the poor but in fact he wants to keep the money for himself and Mary is the opposite she's the faithful disciple she's not worried about the money and the material things you know which we all worry about uh, but she seeks first the kingdom of God and and then you know again it's a reminder to us that we should we should just put God first really and that if we do that if we give our whole heart our whole mind and soul really that he looks after us again and even provides materially for us so but you know going back to the I work at a seminary so I admire the young men who come in and leave their jobs and professions and give everything give this act of abandonment and they're not I'm sure their families say to them you know what are you doing what a waste you know what a waste you could have been a lawyer a doctor you know you've great gifts intellectual gifts and organizational gifts and and yet you know you're choosing to give it all up what a waste not to give up everything for God you know you'd regret it for the rest of your life and if we give the Lord our little gift like the boy in the gospel you know with the five loaves and two fish if we give Jesus our little bit we think we might think our life is pretty worthless that what have we got to give you know I'm only this I'm only that I'm not the most intelligent person etc or I'm not the most gifted people might think that about themselves but if we give the Lord our gift he can multiply it and you know as it says in Luke 17 Luke chapter 17 you know if we anyone who tries to make their life secure will lose it 
but those who lose their life, life will keep it. So that image of Mary just prostrating really before the Lord. Really, I know he's, she's washing his feet, um, which is an act of love and service. But but for me, it's just this image of prostration is is an image of a sort of total surrender and and abandonment. And um, I think that yeah, I think you know we can be afraid to do that. I think, and I also think it's not just for religious priests. I think we're all called. So the laity are called just to there's the church's document um Lumen Gentium, which is the document on the church from Vatican II, and says in chapter five, you know, it talks about the universal call to holiness. That and it says, what is that? You know, it says that we are all called to the perfection of charity. Every one of us, you know, laity, religious priests, men, women, single, married. So it's called to that wholeheartedness, that wholehearted love of God. And in surrendering, He will give us a hundredfold. I suppose being a lay person, I think. I, I love being a lay person because uh, I enjoy being in the world, you know, not in a worldly way, but I, I appreciate the world and, and beauty of it. And um, I enjoy working and make, meeting people and mixing with all sorts of people. And to know that you can live this call to holiness in the midst of all that very ordinary day to day meeting of people is a real joy because it's so every day is so different. Every day is so unpredictable. And I suppose you can worry about that, but you have to either worry, you achieve your choice. You either worry about it or you surrender to it and, and trust that the Holy Spirit is in all of it and will guide you and lead you. And I love it's just reflecting on this again, this idea of freedom it just reminds me you know to be a child of God is to be free and but freedom what is that it's not just freedom from something but freedom for something so and you know that I, I love this. Um, I, do you remember Pope Benedict? I think it was, I should know exactly when he said this, but it was in 2005. I think it was for the first mass. It was not the funeral mass of John Paul II, but it could have been his first mass as Pope, I think. So anyway, <laughs> so he says, um, are we all not perhaps afraid in some way? And he says, if we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give up something significant, something that we think make life beautiful. Do we not then risk ending up diminished and deprived of our freedom? And then he says, no, actually no. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing of what makes life free, beautiful and great. And he says, only in this friendship are the doors of life opened wide. Only in this friendship is the great potential of our human existence truly revealed. And then he says, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away. He gives you everything. Open wide the doors to Christ and you will find true life. So is that just image of Mary giving everything or prostrating before the Lord that that really has always stayed with me and that's what it symbolizes for me and that's why I think it's relevant but I'm sure there's lots of other ways of interpreting that <laughs> but um but that's what it means to me anyway well, no, that was such a wonderful reflection it's so good so there is so much to learn there from Mary of Bethany and her and her teaching us how to be a disciple and how to abandon ourselves giving every 
everything to God, knowing that he loves us and he wants the best for us. Actually, our expectations and the things that we ask are usually so small in comparison to what he wants in the fullness of time. Well, yeah. on a personal level, although sometimes I really think that I know best, actually, <laughs> we know there's something greater to come. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mary. That was oh, absolutely fantastic. And just we always encourage the listeners to then go and spend some time with mm-hmm. Mary of Bethany and mm-hmm. as Mary who we've been listening to uh, recommended that we would go and read Luke 10 38 to 42 and spend mm-hmm. some time with prayer ask Mary to help you to be a great disciple so thank you for listening thank you Natalie Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Natalie Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.